Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening and watching One to One, the conversational marketing podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Artsar Merit. He's global segment leader for conversational AI at AWS at Amazon and also the co-founder and CEO of Dashbot, a chatbot analytics platform uh, for conversational AI interfaces, chatbots, and voice assistants. Artsar, thanks for chatting with me today. Yeah, I appreciate being part of this. Thanks for, for having me. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. You know, I think you have a, a breadth of experience that allows you to speak to a, a lot of different topics uh, that are interesting to our audience. So I think before we dig into some of that, um, why don't we start with you telling a little bit more about yourself, uh, your background and kind of your journey to, to starting Dashbot and working at Amazon? Yeah, definitely. So um, as you mentioned, I'm already married and leading the conversational AI partnerships at AWS. Uh, prior to this, I was the founder and CEO of an analytics platform, uh, Dashbot for chatbots, voice assistants, IVR. Um, so yeah, going back er, like early 2016, I was looking at uh, Slack chatbots and realized the analytics were missing. And I had reached out to a friend of mine to see if he was up for building the analytics and come to find out he and his friend were in the midst of building a chatbot on Slack and, and realized the analytics are missing too. So they were looking for something. So we said, hey, stop building your chatbot. Let's focus on the analytics. And and it just went like gangbusters um, <laughs> ever since. But we, what, what interested me with this is prior to that, I, I had a mobile analytics company and it, that one went fairly well. I sold it to Nokia. Um, but with conversation, it's quite a bit different. Like with web and mobile, there's only so many buttons and links you can click. But with conversation, people can say whatever they want. And so it's hard to build for that and you know know what they might say. So the analytics are quite important there to, to see how people are interacting, what are they saying, how's the chatbot or voice assistant responding and improve that. And it's all unstructured data and they're providing quite a bit of additional information you wouldn't normally get from just those button clicks and you know link clicks on in web and mobile. Nice, yeah, interesting. So you started in the kind of messaging space with Slack analytics, and then that kind of was the door segue into looking into conversational interfaces and more like the data that's being generated with those those interactions. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was Slack. Sorry, it was the Slack bots. Uh, so the chat bots within Slack. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and so we, we we launched initially with Slack and Facebook Messenger because at about the same time, Facebook opened up um, to have Messenger chat bots. So for the first year, year and a half, those were all the rage: the Facebook Messenger bots, and then folks started shifting to voice. Um, assistance. Um, I'm not going to say the name because it's going to trigger it uh, behind me, but <laughs> Amazon's uh, voice assistant and uh, as well as Google's. And th that became quite popular for maybe the next year or so. Like, So you're talking about 2016-17, Facebook Messenger bots were really big. And mm -hmm. then 2017-18, you know, it's the devices. And what we really saw is where things started to really take off is on the customer service side of things. So um, chatbots, uh, virtual assistants, IVR for customer service, that's where enterprises were putting in a decent amount of resources and revenues. Uh, sorry, they're seeing revenues. Uh, 
but uh, overall, like a big believer in this space, I think conversational AI is really, or conversational interfaces, it's really the way, it's a natural evolution of how humans interact with computers. If, if you think of all the videos of two-year-olds swiping on the iPhone and iPad, you know, years ago, uh, the same thing happens with devices like, well, hopefully it doesn't go off the, uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, the, the kids already know how to interact w- with those. So um, it, it, it's definitely an exciting space. Yeah, that's true. It's like a, the the kind of the way that we interface with with machines with uh, technology is rapidly changing, and I think, yeah, kids grasp that a lot faster uh, than anyone. I'm I'm curious in terms of the the analytics side of it. So you clearly saw an opportunity there, right? Like this, there's all this data being generated by these interactions, and what I guess what excited you the most about getting into the space or filling the gap? What did you feel like brands could do with the information that you're generating there from the analytics? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, oftentimes folks talk about, you know, real-time analytics. um, And, you know, if you go back to the web and mobile uh, experiences, does it really matter if you have one more click or or one more button press that that, that second? Like, it's, you know, real-time maybe it's not that important in those uh, situations. But with conversation, it it is quite important because you can take action immediately. So if somebody is uh, conversing with the chatbot and they're getting stuck or frustrated or sentiment goes to a particular negative value, you Mm. can identify that in real time and take action. So, you know, in in some cases, maybe you have a, a person, you know, enter into that conversation to help the user out or you can take them down different paths. Um, so it was one of the cases where real-time analytics is, is quite important. And then because the data is unstructured, it, you know, users being able to say whatever they like, it, it's really important to look at the data to see how they're interacting. And it, in a way, your users are almost helping guide the, the product uh, roadmaps because you can see what they're asking or and then what they think of the responses afterwards, like people would tell you and mm-hmm. since it's conversation and you can use that to figure out like, Hey, should I add support or, or, or functionality for that uh, in my chatbot? So yeah, the data is uh, quite fascinating and you can use it to improve the NLU models. So seeing where NLU is breaking down with mishandled, unhandled intents, you can get an idea of the common reasons why people are interacting with you because they're telling you. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's all the basic metrics too, just like you know the session lengths and all that kind of stuff, like standard analytics. Yeah, I think you touched on a lot of things there that are, we see a lot at Spectrum too, which is not so much on the voice side, but on the messaging side. The same same ideas, right? The idea of direct feedback on on what you're you're getting from customers, and also of understanding, you know, there even within the messaging space, there's a lot of unstructured data when customers choose to not follow the path that they're being kind of channeled down uh, by a chatbot, and so that is almost often the most valuable data, right? The unstructured data is like how customers really want to interact with you, or the understanding what their intents are are things that we've seen as really helping brands to develop almost like you're saying like a library of responses or being able to identify hey 
we actually don't know what this intent is, but clearly a lot of people are asking for it. So let's, let's build around that and let's evolve from there. So I think definitely there's so much interesting stuff going on there. You're clearly, you know, as conversational AI uh, and partnerships leader uh, at AWS, I'm sure you're at the, the forefront of it. How would you kind of summarize the current state of conversational AI today? Yeah, I, we've, we're definitely making advancements. We've gone well past the, the days of the basic FAQ chatbots. Like when we, when I first started um, uh, doing the analytics, like uh, often folks weren't even using NLU. Like they could do, you know, basic decision trees or regular expressions or whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? And, you know, folks initially, at least on the customer service side, were probably, you know, starting more with the FAQ, basic informational chatbots. And what we've seen over the past year or two are some really cool advancements. The, the first is with multimodal interfaces. And, you know, that can mean different things for, for, for people. Like some folks think of it as like a handoff between, you know, voice and text. Um, mm-hmm. But the true multimodal that gets really exciting is where the voice helps guide someone through a text experience. So there's partners that we work with that say you were to call an, an airline, if I called the, the airline and I want to change my seat, if, if they said, well, seat 20D is available, well, what, what does that mean to me? I, I don't know what that seat is. But mm-hmm. if they sent me the seat map at the same time and said, hey, seat 20D is available and I can go, oh, that's the aisle, I'm going to click it, right? Like, So those kind of multimodal that's keeping the voice and some sort of web or text experience uh, in sync that that uh, is is really cool, and we've seen a lot of uh, interest around that. It, it makes things easier. It takes full advantage of, of the device capabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second area we're seeing quite a bit is additional AI beyond NLU. Um, NLU is the natural language processing mm-hmm. or understanding, right? So w- w- one of them is making use of, say, document processing or I- image recognition. For example, there was a customer that built a chatbot for onboarding to car insurance. And instead of typing your name and address while you're in the chat, well, you can just take a photo of your driver's license and it'll extract that information. And if you have an existing insurance policy, similarly, take a photo of that and it'll extract the relevant information to make the new policy. So that incorporation of additional AI is also uh, quite exciting and one of the trends that we're starting to see. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The, uh, I guess both things that you meant, like the using the different, I guess, interfaces, whether it's, it's voice or a screen or messaging to their, their advantage by playing to their strengths, you know, whether it's like guiding a conversation with voice, but then giving the visual by phone. I think that's a, a great example or even, yeah, the blending of the different technologies. We also have, have seen that with, you know, customers that want to build chatbots that then, you know, allow people to generate like an augmented reality uh, type, uh, you know, personalized product that they can then view in their homes, like that sort of thing. I think that's where we're seeing things go more and more. Those are like very complex use cases to power. I'm curious how how you deal with the complexity when you're working with different partners. Is that things that you you build a lot, the kind of custom for each customer? Are you building also a kind of framework that you're able to then apply, like plug in different modules to do this sort of thing? Yeah, so uh, uh, that's a good question. So at AWS, it, um, on the partner side, so it's working with partners that that do that development. And mm-hmm. so they're 
our ISV partners that that's part of their platform. Um, being able to do that multimodal, they built that into their 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 platform to enable the, the, that kind of uh, interaction. And then there's also the consulting SI partners who would you know build that more from scratch. Maybe they might have some reusable components, but they're you know they're building a custom versus the ISVs that you know you sort of out of the box you get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's definitely exciting, and there is a third too. Like I don't know if you're seeing this, but the uh, this concept called multi-bot orchestration, um, we see a bit of that a- a- as well. And the idea there is you have a a, a main chatbot that's sort of the the front door interface, and that will navigate folks to sub chatbots based on like the persona. Uh, use case, perhaps even language, and an example of that could be in banking. You know, banking you could have the merchant accounts, the consumer accounts, investment banking accounts. So if someone came into the chat button and said, "I want to open a new account," well, well which account do you mean, right? And mm-hmm. so that main chatbot would understand and know how to navigate the folks to these different sub chatbots, um, and that, that's another one that's kind of uh, interesting too. Yeah, I when I spoke to the conversational AI and designer at Intuit, they mentioned something similar in terms of multi-bot orchestration. That's something that at Spectrum we've also been thinking a lot about. We think of it more in terms of kind of a single bot, but multiple conversation streams and like the ability to also recognize context that's sensitive to what conversation you're in or what bot you're in, but then simultaneously knowing having more like global templates that recognize out of context what people are asking for and being able to switch across those different bots or streams is so important to provide, I think, what is ultimately like a great customer experience, which is what a lot of these brands are looking for, right? Yeah, definitely. No, you hit, you hit it upon the, the key piece there, the context. So context and personalization are are, uh, are, are key here. And in, in fact, the more you know about the user and the context, the less questions you actually have to ask them. Like if if I was calling, if I called United right now, uh, like the airline, they, they would know who I am and they would ask if I was calling about my flight to New York next week. So they, they, they're taking that into account. Um, so there's less questions you have to ask. It, it, yeah, that, 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 that's definitely um, uh, key. And then passing that along too. If, you know, chatbots are, are meant to, in some cases, at least in the customer service, it's it's meant to you know help reduce uh, load on agents and all. Mm-hmm. But you know, passing that context along um, also provides for a better experience. And, and, and sorry for the rambling here, but that's in the customer service space. Folks sometimes think of the chatbots just around reducing cost, increasing containment. Uh, those things but it's really Mm -hmm. about providing a better user experience being available 24 7 on channels users prefer to interact so some users prefer you know text-based chatbots some prefer messenger-based ones some like to call like being available where they um, want to interact with your business that's really key yeah i think that's that's you hit the nail on the head there too, which is being being where customers are, right? Being where they are and being where they want to be. Uh, we're seeing a lot of shifts towards these these new channels in terms of the preferred way of communicating with brands as well, which I think is is very exciting. It's an exciting opportunity for brands, not just 
in the service space or customer service space in terms of like call deflection, you know, agent yeah. time reduction, all that stuff. But I think also in, in a marketing space as well, right? Because the ability to identify what customers actually want when they're engaging, like there's, I think, often a huge opportunity to to see it not just okay this is a service ticket but hey this is the opportunity to really like wow a customer or maybe even recommend something that they didn't even know they wanted but like providing that very predictive and assistive experience is is ultimately generating a lot of value um for brands in the space i mean you talked about channels a little bit the, the channels that customers prefer to interact on can you talk to me a little bit about which channels you're seeing uh, work best or which ones there's most excitement around? Uh, yeah, I think, at least for me, and what I'm seeing with the customers that we talk to, that multimodal experience really resonates. Like, it's something that folks maybe weren't initially thinking about. And mm-hmm. then you show them a demo, and like, you see the eyes light up, they're all excited, like, oh, I didn't know you could do this. And just think, like, you know, maybe there's something where someone's trying to make a payment and they would have to you know, read out their credit card number. And now all of a sudden that, you know, voice assistant or IVR is sending them the page just to type it in and it makes it easier, mm-hmm. but, you know, um, but yeah, so multimodal gets people quite excited. I think there's, you know, there's for particular use cases, there's probably some channels that might be better depending on the, the, the business. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I go back to the whole, uh, omni-channel customer choice side of things, like being available where your users want to interact. Like if you look at, especially o- overseas, I- I- you know, in China, people are using WeChat and in Japan and Taiwan, it's Line and uh, Latin America, it's WhatsApp. Like the mm-hmm. businesses know they need to be on those channels. Um, that's where the consumers want to interact with them. Like they want to do their banking on WhatsApp or, or, or whatever the platform is. Um, so I look at the, the data, how people are interacting with you and, um, you know, f- f- focusing on those, like some things are, you know, as I just mentioned, like entering your credit card, maybe changing passwords, like all these kind of things are easier to do in a text environment than uh, a voice. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, also, something to keep in mind, like certain things might be better to do in one over the other. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So the you know use use the right channel for for the right function and use case almost, and I guess a lot of excitement in the space around being able to blend those channels or using a multi-channel approach to get that information and provide the best experience. I definitely agree with you in terms of your breakdown of like the the messaging channels globally too, right? I think that's one thing for a lot of global brands when they're deciding to enter specific markets or you're thinking, you know, you're working with certain teams there. Uh, there's usually one channel that's the obvious contender for like what's going to reach the largest market segment that you're trying to go after here um, and to make sure that you you are on that channel. But I, I assume that you also probably work with people that are adopting a, a very global multi-channel approach where they might be replicating experiences in WhatsApp onto Line or WeChat in other markets, right? Yeah, definitely. It, it goes to that omni-channel uh, approach and, you know, looking where to start. Like, it, you know, just in it, in terms of getting started, you, you often start simple and expand, um, mm-hmm. but seeing how people are interacting or, or where they want to interact. We just ran a survey, so I just got the results back yesterday about um 
you know, where people prefer to interact, but it depends on the use case and all, or the, you know, the, the industry segment, whether it's financial services, travel, hospitality, that kind of thing. But what what was interesting is seeing it in general, at least for a certain age, I think it was everyone under 45, um, the text based messaging. And I I mean, that could include web and mobile chat, Mm -hmm messenger applications that kind of thing was preferred over the voice ivr which was kind of interesting to see and that, that's something to you know as a business if you're thinking where should i start should i do convert my my voice calls or should i you know start just create a chatbot like that's something that can be helpful for them um when deciding yeah uh, we've actually run a uh, quite a few global surveys too are like leaning into that exact same question, trying to understand what are the channels that people prefer and then breaking that down demographically. And it's it's pretty consistent from the the results that we've seen too that messaging is often the preferred form of communication. And I think a lot of that has to do with it's kind of asynchronous. So you can you can come back to it on your own time. You can always drop back in and have all the context of the previous conversation. So you can really like scroll through and see that and then continue the conversation. And I think, obviously, voice has a lot of exciting opportunities too, but I, it, it lacks some of that. And it has, it kind of, like a voice, like a phone call, it demands your attention immediately, like at that moment in time. And I think it, particularly for younger generations, that's something where we often want to be, you know, people are doing multiple things at the same yeah. time, or they want to just be able to come back to that. And so I think the rise of messaging has actually probably come I think to a, a surprise for many, just that it's it's almost like an old school. It's like the most basic instant messaging form of communication. But the fact that it enables that type of asynchronous communication and also like such a rich visual experience makes it also very attractive to a lot of people. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're finding the same survey results um, with different methodologies and, and locations, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, I mean, in terms of you know, you've touched on a few things that are exciting to you in conversational AI and like design in terms of multimodal interfaces, that sort of thing. Is there anything else that gets you really excited about this space and, and what's coming? Um, there's some of the advancements on the NLU or NLG side of things, like, you know, people talk about, so the natural language generation, like the mm-hmm. GPT-3 and uh, these large language models, some of that stuff's pretty neat. Um, it, you know, seeing how folks leverage it in their chatbots, maybe not necessarily to res- respond, yeah. uh, um, but to use it for maybe figuring out the intent, like an additional layer to uh, uh, on top of the NLU to figure, like it basically expand your, your training phrases. Um, like that was kind of uh, interesting. So I, I, th- th- that'd be exciting to see how, how that progresses and then how the, all, all the different NLU, NLP providers uh, keep improving their offerings, how that those continue to um, expand. It comes down to like, when you're building these interfaces, you, you, you want to be able to uh, you know, understand the user, respond appropriately, uh, but most importantly, respond in a way that satisfies the user. Um, so I think we're starting to see folks, you know, it, well, the, the tools you can use are getting better. And then um, folks are doing a better job of building the experiences too. So instead of just getting the, I don't know what you're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, 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 yeah, you're seeing 
the ones who do it well um, handle those fallbacks uh, better. Yeah, I think you touched on something so important there that I think is worth kind of reiterating, which is that the some of the really interesting stuff in like generative adversarial networks, like all that like generative language processing and those technologies is not necessarily in, at least for a business case for now, is not in generating the copy yeah. that you're going to respond to people with, but in actually better training the algorithms to identify specific intents or to help brands that, you know, this is a new space. So a lot of brands will get into this and they have little to no messaging data to train any kind of intent algorithm on, right? So helping to to develop what are the all the possible permutations of this particular intent? How can we like train that with maybe like both machine learning and like human su- supervision to like really better, better train the algorithms over time is a really exciting space that is kind of more in the background in the sense that I think the a lot of the hype you see online is like, oh, these, you know, this AI generated this article, or like I can talk to mm-hmm. an AI generated chatbot. But I think the way that brands are using this, at least right now, is in a lot of the things that you're saying, right? Like mining the data that's coming in, using it to improve how they understand customers, but ultimately they're still scripting responses because they want to be very careful in the way that they're Definitely. interacting with their brands uh, or their customers. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah. It, 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 I remember there's a few times where customers we were chatting with some customers that are newer to the space and like oh yeah you can use the you know natural language generation to re- generate the response but you're like no 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 it's, you want the response you know from your company right like you want it to respond appropriately um, yeah I, I did a panel years ago and I remember the there was someone on the panel they they said that the the reason why they the company was using chatbots and they, they liked it as um, part of it was because of compliance. So the chatbot is only going to respond with what it was programmed to respond, right? The, in the content that it was programmed to respond. Whereas if someone was chatting with a live person or talking to a live person, they might go off script, <laughs> right? <laughs> or, you know, say the wrong thing. So they knew um, they're more compliant with that particular uh, industry. Yeah, that's that's a, a good example. I, like the one that I like is well, from a marketing standpoint too, is you can really only learn, you know, in like a direct response way, okay, how are people engaging with certain messaging, right? Or like how when you're responding to customers, what is what is causing more conversions or what is what's driving the action that you want? Um with live agents, you're creating just like a chaos of unstructured data that you can't do anything with. But if you structure it with within a messaging context, you then can learn so much more like about those messaging interactions. So I think there's a lot of exciting use cases there uh, as well. I mean, maybe more on the marketing side uh, or just for businesses in general, what are kind of the top three pieces of advice you would give uh, for brands that are just getting started with conversational AI? Yeah, it's it's hard to just come down to three because uh, yeah. when I look at when you're <laughs> building these, um, there's generally, even when we're evaluating partners, we look at like this, like four key areas around, you know, the NLU models, um, mm-hmm. how folks go about selecting the use cases, creating those models, training phrases. There's the conversation design and flow, like we were talking about, like an intuitive interface that, um, you know, responds in a way that satisfies the user. There's all the backend integrations that you want to do. And then there's the testing, monitoring, measurement. So mm-hmm. I would say, you know, start you know, simple, like, you know, pick a use case or so, like uh, uh, one to start with. Folks often refer to like that high volume, low complexity um, Mm -hmm. 
kind of tasks like start there and and, and see how people interact and start getting the data uh some of the things we talked about in terms of the the, the conversation design, it, it's really important to leverage context and personalization. As I mentioned, like the more you know about the user and what they're doing or any of that context, um, mm-hmm. the less questions you have to ask. Uh, it, it, it's in that, in the flow, it's really helpful to welcome the user and um, set expectations a, a bit about what the experience can do. And <laughs> you really need to set a, a way to handle those fallbacks appropriately beyond mm-hmm. just the, I don't know, messages like it's something to get people back on like the happy path or leveraging knowledge bases or something to to help help the user out. And then um, the last thing I'd say is, is that you definitely have to look at the data and the analytics to see how people are interacting. Um, what are they saying? Maybe there's additional intents you want to add support for. Or maybe you need to adjust your intent model, NOU model as it is, um, and just look at that data and keep iterating. So start simple, make a intuitive flow as best you can and mm-hmm. look at the data and iterate. Yeah, I think those are three very, very good pieces of advice. I feel like some of the things you you mentioned are exactly the kind of best practices that we also recommend the starting simple with a very focused use case. Uh, like you said, that almost the 80-20 rule, right? I was like, you're going to solve most most things with this core use case and you can build from there, but it's important to limit the scope of what you're doing to actually get something out there. And then it's all about, yeah, testing and learning, as you're saying, and the the fallbacks are an important one, right? Setting Setting expectations, I think that's so key for brands when they're engaging in this very private space with consumers, which can build a lot of amazing brand affinity if you get it right and it can go wrong if you get it wrong so you know make sure that they know they're talking to a bot set expectations for what the the experience can provide for them and then if they don't get it you know use it we always tell customers like use it as an opportunity to create a funny moment or something right if like throw a gif in the conversation and say you know sorry i didn't get that like i'm a bot help me out here don't try to pretend like you're you're a human and or like try to you know, just be as honest and direct in that tr- interaction as possible. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, that's a, the neat thing about the conversational interfaces is, you know, people will tell you what they want and then they tell you what they think of it afterwards to be like your response. So you get pretty good feedback um, yeah. that you like going back to the web mobiles that you wouldn't necessarily get like, oh, they click this button, they click that link. But, you know, were they happy with that? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's such a such a key part of improving the experience over time, right? Which is really uh, the the goal here. Um, you know, I think as we as we wrap up, you've mentioned a lot of big things are on the horizon about what excites you or what you're seeing in the space. Can you maybe give a your prediction five years from now? What what is the future going to look like for conversational AI, or maybe even further into the future? Um, well, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm definitely a big believer in in conversational AI, and mm-hmm. really feel it's the natural way people interact. So it'd be interesting to see over the next five years how it's implemented in more and more uh, services, not just like um, you know, it was brought up a lot of customer service experience, and obviously there's the marketing side that you're talking about too, how it can help marketers. But even like say, instead of pressing the elevator button i can say you know call the elevator or like i want to go to floor three or whatever it is like mm-hmm. you can see voice assistance being used in 
different different uh, use cases. So I'm excited to see more about the the natural language generation, how folks use that and, and leverage mm. it, and then um, to see how the NLU NLP providers continue to improve and better understand um, uh, uh, folks' intent. Um, but uh, overall, I just want to see. I'm more excited to see what how people leverage these things. Um, there was this uh, you, you, early on when I used to do these panel. This we do panels of folks that were building chatbots and voice assistants. And mm-hmm. I remember there was a, a person from AOL, and he was talking about the, the Alexa, the Google Assistant um, experiences. And he said, "Well, when movies." first came about people just took the stage play and now they're like you know recording that so it was the, the same basic thing and, and you're just taking you know what you already know and putting in this new um environment or, or or you know um but the excitement is when people start to leverage that new environment for different things like now you know in the movies you have cgi and all this craziness and it's not like a stage play um so how are folks going to leverage conversation for for new uh, use cases that we haven't quite um, thought of. That's where it's exciting to see how things go. Yeah, that is a, a very exciting prospect, right? Where the the typical human, I guess, reaction to new technologies or new way of interfacing with technology will be to replicate what works in the old systems. <laughs> um, but what is exciting is what you know. What lies ahead is the things that are built natively on those new platforms, right? And I think you're right. That is where there's going to be a lot of exciting things happening in this space. Um, Arda, look, that was, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think we got to go into the weeds on some of the more, I guess, not necessarily technical topics, but just, you know, things that I, I don't always get to talk about when I'm speaking with marketers on the podcast here. Um, before we wrap up today, you know, if people want to follow your journey, uh, learn more about what you're doing at, at Dashbot and at uh, AWS, uh, can you let them know where to find you? Yeah, I'm on link. If you want to check out, uh, just on LinkedIn, it's just already A-R-T-E, Merit, and the R-R-I-T-T. Yeah, that's probably the best place to, um, you know, connect or f- follow, try to publish a lot of articles myself. And um, so just a, a way if you'd like to to stay in touch. And I, I really appreciate being part of this. I, thanks for having me and taking the time to to chat. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been a pleasure. So you heard it. Uh, go to LinkedIn at Artie Merit. Uh, and if you want to stay uh, up to date with what's going on uh, in the conversational AI space and conversational marketing, obviously, please follow follow the podcast, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, check out Spectrum at spectrum.io uh, or LinkedIn slash Spectrum. Um, Artie, again, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate this. Th- thanks for taking the time.